Listen up, mucker fathers. If you just can't get enough of 83 weeks, we've got tons more waiting for you over at adfreeshows.com. Bonus episodes, all the archives with zero, yes, I said zero ads. Plus, we've got interactive events and experiences with yours truly. You can ask me anything. Chat one-on-one during our live Locked and Loaded events. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, we got to hang out the entire freaking weekend, and it was a blast. I can't wait for Top Guy Weekend 2022. Hey, want to hear me rip Greg Gagne, Vince Russo, and others? A new one on our popular Eric Fires Back series. I eviscerate Twitter trolls on me tweet receipts, plus bonus watch alongs and tons more. Do yourself a favor right now. Google the internet and you won't find a better value in all of wrestling than over to adfreeshows.com. You not only get 83 weeks, but all of Conrad Thompson's podcast early and ad free and on video. For as low as $9 a month. Come on, man. You can't beat it. Join the family today at adfreeshows.com. Hey, y'all. It's Rebel with AEW. And when I'm not with the doctor helping her dominate the women's division, you can find me on adfreeshows.com every other Sunday, hosting my personal happy hour, Rebel's Happy Hour. And I would love for you to join me. It's an hour long of drinking, laughing, a little Q&A, maybe some guest surprises, and just chatting about whatever's on your mind. I promise it's a good time. And yes, it is all face-to-face. So do it now. Do it today. Sign up at adfreeshows.com and become a top guy. And tell them Rebel sent you. Mwah. And I'm last number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Whew. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm recovering, Conrad. Just recovering. Fun, fun uh, Thursday, Friday, and s- Saturday wasn't bad either. But Friday was a blast. But uh, yeah, just uh, recovering. That's the best way to say it. 
I guess uh, by now the whole world knows you popped up on WWE SmackDown on Fox. There you were again on broadcast television. Uh, what was it like being back around uh, the WWE scene? What was your experience in Nashville this past Friday? I had a blast. You know, um, it's it's. I'm so grateful. You know, at this stage of my life, being able to pop in and you know, reconnect with some people that I haven't seen in a long time and hang out with just a little bit and just be around it, you know, and certainly getting out in front of a crowd and get feeling that energy and just being a part of it in a small way is just, uh, it scratches that performer itch in me and however big or small, you know, a, a segment that I'm involved in is, I, I'm just always grateful for it. It's a blast. And I get to come home. And I, I don't have to do it again next week, although next week is going to be fun in its own right. Before we talk about next week, I'm excited for us to talk about, well, not the business meeting we had prior to Friday night SmackDown, which was awesome. And I don't even necessarily want to talk about the fantastic dinner that we had after SmackDown with a friend of ours. I'm more interested in what the world now knows. You know, there's, there's the famous gorilla position. Mm. Everybody knows about that. You know, right before you go through the curtain and you, and you meet the crowd of, of the WWE universe. But now, as I understand it, there is what's known in WWE as the Bischoff position. Of course, I'm talking about that mm, 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 delicious WWE catering. Eric, uh, the photo went a little viral and, uh, boy, people had a, a good time at that photo and it was all your idea. You're such a good sport with this shit, dude. Well, Hey, I. I'm a big fan of good food. And interestingly enough, on my way to Nashville, I'm on the plane and young lady sitting next to me and we just started chatting and, you know, she was from Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon. And I said, Oh, what do you, what do you got going on in Nashville? She said, Oh, I'm catering a WWE event. I said, wait a minute. Like, what do you mean you're catering it? She goes, Oh yeah, I run the catering. I run the company that's catering WWE in Nashville. Really, I said to this young lady, I got all excited. And I asked her, you know, can you give me any hints? You know, what's on the menu? What can I look forward to? She gave she gave me a few little hints, and um, I was all excited. And of course, ran into her, you know, at the event. And I, I feel very at home in catering. You know, it's a great place to see everybody and, and reconnect without having to, you know, do laps around the arena and all that. So I, I, I love catering, man. And the food was outstanding. The dish that I was holding there was a, a cabbage and mushroom dish. And while that may not sound all that exciting on the surface, it was amazing. And I love good cabbage. So it was great. It was a fun time. It's always good to see, uh, some of our friends who, uh, still work for the evil empire as the internet often refers to them. And I'm excited that we're going to be brushing up against them this coming weekend. Uh, before we do, I want to remind you, you're coming to us live today from the blue chew studio. Uh, feel free to try blue chew for free. Just pay $5 shipping when you use our special promo code 83 weeks, but this Friday, man, we're going to be back together again, uh, because you always have to fly in a day early and uh, on Saturday, we're actually doing a live show myself, yourself and old double J. And I was even talking to Tony Schiavone earlier today. And he says, Hey, can I come? So there's a chance that we're going to get to uh, have Tony Schiavone drive, uh, 
into the fold with us as well. And I know we have at least one other surprise. It's going to be a great time in St. Louis on Royal rumble day this coming Saturday. Is it not? It's going to be a blast. And before we get into it too much, I I do want to say, since you brought up um, blue chew and coming to you live from the blue chew studios, I, uh, I had to do another test drive with blue chew again this morning. And I can tell you from personal experience and so could Mrs. B blue chew is for real. So get on it. Get with it. You'll be glad you did. But yeah, I'm 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 gonna come in a day early, maybe even two days early. I don't know. It depends when you get there. I'm going Thursday. But I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be a blast. And you did. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spill the beans because anybody that knows me or knows of me knows I love surprises. And normally you you don't necessarily share those surprises with me because I enjoy them. But in this particular case, I'm I'm very well aware of the surprise and I am really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great for everybody. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys make plans to join us. Tickets are on sale now at Eric and Jeff That's Eric and Jeff Don't forget. If you get a VIP ticket, you can access to the best seats in the house. You're going to get to come in early and do a meet and greet, which means you're going to piece of swag. You can't buy anywhere else. You'll also get autographed eight by tens of Jeff and Eric. You'll get your photos with both. They'll even sign something for you. If you've got like a an old book or DVD or title belt or whatever you're into, uh, come see us. It's Jeff and Eric live.com or Eric and Jeff live.com. Either way, I'll get you there. Uh, and by the way, the show will be over two hours before the Royal rumble. So let's make a day of this. You don't have to pick. Let's do both. Come check us out over at Eric and Jeff live.com. And then we're just 2.4 miles away from the arena. And you got two hours to get there. Even Dave Silva could make that walk. So Check it out. It's St. Louis this Saturday. It's Royal rumble day, man. And I know it's not necessarily, uh, what you're most associated with, but do you have a favorite Royal rumble over the years, Eric? I, you know, I couldn't really pick one to, to be, to be fair. Um, uh, one of the things that I think distinguishes Royal rumble, um, against the other premium live events, as I've learned, they're now referred to, um, is the unpredictable an unexpected nature of it. I, I love that. That's the element that I think is missing, you know, so often in weekly programming and it's hard. Look, look, I'm not complaining about it. I'm not throwing darts. I'm not being negative, but it is one of the elements that I think makes wrestling so unique in other episodic television is there's always the potential of the surprise. And that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything it's it's a great event. It's got a great legacy. Obviously, winning the Royal Rumble is an important thing for anybody that's in the industry as a professional. For us fans, it's always fun because this is set up right for WrestleMania. This is kind of like the kickoff to WrestleMania, and that's always such a special time of year. You know, a lot of wrestling fans believe, and I think even maybe the company believes that SummerSlam is the number two pay per view year behind WrestleMania for WWE. I myself, I think it's probably Royal rumble. I enjoy Royal rumble. Like WrestleMania is clearly everybody's number one, but as far as the number two, to me, it's the Royal rumble. And I think the, the surprise element that you, you sort of talked about is the differentiator. I mean, a traditional battle Royal candidly, they suck. You know, it's just the concept on paper is great, but kind of once you've seen one, you've seen them all, but the intrigue of who's coming out next 
is such a magical wrinkle. It's what stood the test of time. And I think in my opinion, if Halloween havoc was WCW's WrestleMania and Starcade was the number two show, I think the Royal rumble is like my number two WWE show. What would you say, Eric? No, I, I agree. And, and again, not to be redundant, but I think because it is such a, an indicator, um, a, a tease, a setup, if you will, for WrestleMania and the weeks and months that lead up to it, it makes it even more intriguing, even over and above the, the, the surprise element and the potential of that. Um, the fact that, okay, here we go. This is like, we're, we're all going to get in our car. We, we've, we've filled the gas tank. We've got our map and we're pulling out of the driveway and we're beginning this journey to, to WrestleMania. And I think that's what I, what I appreciate about it the most. It's I love the journey, man, whether it's a story or, or a lead up to an event, um, it's the great combination of story anticipation and the unexpected nature of it can, can really generate a lot of enthusiasm. And I, I think that's why I, I, it's one of my favorite premium live events. And this will be the first time I've gotten to watch uh, a Royal rumble with you. We're going to uh, be able to catch this one. And I don't know that we'll mosey over to the arena, but uh, we'll definitely fire up the peacock network at our Airbnb and maybe get some emos pizza in there and get a taste of St. Louis and have a good time. And taste of St. Louis is a big old deal because there's a lot of great food in St. Louis, but I, can I throw out a suggestion? Yeah. Conrad? Yeah. I mean, you're, you are the pot father. So this is just a suggestion, <laughs> but you know, like maybe we send a text or an email to Bruce Pritchard and at least get an invite to the venue, go in, check out catering. Got to right? do that. Oh, we got to do that. And then come back and enjoy it in the comfort of our Airbnb. Let me, let me mention this. If we do that and, and I'm, I'm going to make sure you hold me to this, I'm going to put, you know, if anybody who's seen backstage on WWE, even on TV, they've got the little sign that shows all the arrows of who was where and what's going on, where and outside of every room, there's a little regular sheet of paper that's got a logo on it and some words and explains, Hey, here's what this room is. This is catering. This is Vince's office. This is talent relations. This is whatever I'm going to have one that's got your cartoon and it's going to say Bischoff position. And I'm going to put it over the catering sign, at least for a photo op. Cause I think that would melt the internet. I think you should. And I, and I, I think I've earned it for God's sake, you know, I've, I've taken so much heat over the years ever since, well, last couple of years, at least when, you know, it was reported, if you want to call that reporting, um, that I never left catering, but, um, no, I think I've earned it. And, and I think, I, I think it would be important for talent to know that that is the room. You can say what you want. But catering is the one place where you can sit down and get together with three or four people and enjoy a, a nice meal, a healthy meal, and really kind of go over what's going on creatively or what you might be thinking about in the future creatively with those who are involved in that process. So it's a very, very important location in, in the arena, and, and I think it deserves that kind of notation and, and 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Credit. You know, we love to enlighten here on 83 Weeks. So let's enlighten our audience, Paul, a little bit about coffee. Did you know that 90% of the coffee from the grocery store is actually stale? Stale! You heard that right. The coffee you know and think you love needs an upgrade. Instead of rebuying the same old, same old, same old, let Trade Coffee send you something freshly roasted that you're literally guaranteed to really love. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd, and I admit, Paul, I am a bit of a coffee nerd, or maybe you just want a better daily cup. Trade Coffee's real experts taste us over 400 roasts and use technology to match your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. You can take the coffee quiz to get started. Paul, this is really cool because Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they're going to replace it free. Now, Trade's been featured by the New York Times, Wired, GQ, and has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee. The subscription is no hassle. Skip the shipment, change the frequency, or cancel anytime you want. That's one of the things that I love about Trade, as we all know. Finding your favorite products now in any of your favorite big box uh, retail outlets is getting tougher and tougher. And there's nothing worse than going to the store hoping to score your favorite coffee only to get there and see an empty shelf. No problem, no hassle with Trade. Trade ships it right to your door and you can cancel skip anytime you want it's outstanding now i took the coffee quiz i gotta be honest i wasn't really surprised because i expected it to be tailored to my taste and it really was but here's what i really dig about trade coffee i i look at coffee the way some people look at wine paul i really do and you if you love wine you love to explore it's a journey to find that next hidden gem that that perfect wine that you had never really heard of or maybe only read about occasionally and you finally get a chance to taste it and you swear even though the the wine you thought you loved it's no longer the wine you love best and the same thing can happen at trade man over 400 choices are you kidding me take the journey You'll be glad you did. And for our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks. To get started, you take the quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks and you start your journey. You kick it off to find your perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks for $20 off your first three bags. I think you're going to love it. This past week in Nashville, it was the only warm spot in the whole building. There's uh, that too. <laughs> I my ass off. 
Well, talk about that. You and I went out to dinner with uh, Mr. Pritchard, enjoyed a nice dinner at the Palm, which is right around the corner from the venue, which was great. And some amazing Blue Point oysters, by the way. I love Blue Point oysters. A beverage or two. And then I, we bumped into some people that we had, none of us had ever met before, and I got invited out uh, after you, you and Bruce had to leave. And uh, I stepped outside, and this group of people I was with, a young lady in particular, was just determined as hell to go over to Kid Rock's uh, bar. So I, I walked over there with a the group, and about halfway there, I went, this is like Minnesota, man. This is too cold for me. And I got there, and there's a line like about two blocks long. And uh, I had to politely bow out because I just couldn't take the cold. It was cold as hell. And actually, I got up in Nashville Friday morning early, and I checked the weather, which I do every day by habit. I don't know why I do it. It doesn't matter. I know I'm going to be in an arena all day, right? But I checked the weather, and it was actually colder in Nashville than it was in Cody, Wyoming, where I live. And I said, shit, this is not that much fun. I had all these intentions of it, you know, because the show got over early, right? Nine o'clock local. Yeah. And I thought, well, hell, this would be a great opportunity. Our hotel was right there on Broadway and everything was within walking distance. And I had every intention of just kind of, you know, by myself, just walking around, sticking my head in the door and checking things out on a Friday night in Nashville. But man, too cold for my ass. Yeah, me too. I put it in the wind to Huntsville and, uh, I don't regret that decision. And I'm excited about watching wrestling with you now. Of course, I hope to do it this Sunday or this Saturday rather in St. Louis, but right now we're going to fire up our peacock machine to season 10 of uh, clash of the champions episode one. I don't know why it's phrased that way, but it's actually clash of the champions 34. So <laughs> peacock is a confusing deal at times, but check it out. It's a uh, clash of the champions 34. This went down in 1996. This is going to be fun. Uh, let's do a quick countdown. And then when I say play, we'll press play. Eric, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. In three, two, one play. WCW clash of the champions live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin tonight in wild six man action. Conan, Juventud Guerrero and psychosis line up against La Parca, Chavo Guerrero Jr. And super Calo. the Steiner brothers face off for the amazing French Canadians in a return match. Dean Malenko versus the ultimate dragon for the cruiserweight title. Superhuman Lex Luger goes up against outsider Scott Hall of the NWO. The Taskmaster takes out his revenge on Chris Benoit in a Falls Count Anywhere match. These matches and more on Clash of the Champions. And we are live at the Wisconsin Center. World Championship Wrestling excited about being the state of Wisconsin. Superstation, the Clash of the Champions, where tonight, athletes of WCW will battle athletes of the New World Order, and much, much more. Hi, everyone, along with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes and Bobby the Brain Heenan, I am Tony Schiavone. Dream later tonight in this arena, what used to be known as the Mecca, now the Wisconsin Center. The Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit will battle. They battled last night on TNT, but tonight... 
pinfalls will count anywhere. Let me tell you what, guys, when I was growing up as a kid, it was always big news when somebody would run in and say, you know, so-and-so down the road there, they had a domestic dispute. There was a woman and two guys, and there was a fighting over, and it was a domestic dispute. Well, you got a live opportunity here on the mothership on TBS to see a real live domestic dispute. Kevin Sullivan, Chris Benoit, this thing, guys, could go anywhere in this building, even outside. You're going to see it all right here at the Clash of Champions. Plus, Lex Luger goes up against Scott Hall of the NWO and the first return of Scott Steiner since the injury. He and Rick Steiner together. That's what I want to see, just how sharp Scott Steiner is. And don't think the NWO is not watching because Sold Out is coming up at their big pay-per-view. Steiners have an opportunity to knock off Hall and Nash to become champions. I'm interested to see just how good Scott Steiner is. And we go to the ring, the opening bout here on TBS. The so we'll cut the audio there. Uh, I misspoke a moment ago. I, I, we've been covering so much 96. I said 96. Of course, we're eight days removed from what we just watched, where DDP turned down the NWO. This is a day after a Monday Nitro, as we see Dean Malenko coming to the ring. So this is a nice little follow-up to what we just watched. It's eight days later. It's a clash of the champions. And you go back, gosh, nearly 10 years prior to this. And the very first clash of the champions was a TBS special really designed to compete and distract from WrestleMania. Of course, everyone knows the story of how Vince McMahon tried to sabotage and really did sabotage Starcade 87. And they created survivor series to compete, made the cable systems choose. And, uh, the Crockett's ultimately took a big L. So fast forward. And when they're getting ready to do their next big pay-per-view extravaganza. It's going to be, of course, WrestleMania and Turner decides, well, Hey, let's punch back. So they did the very first clash of the champions with sting and Ric Flair for the world title. And they gave it away on free TV to compete with WrestleMania as a pay-per-view opportunity, but that's all changed. Nine years later here, clash of the champions is well. It's a great idea. It's more wrestling content. We still love it, but the focus is now nitro. I mean, the, the game has changed in those nine years in a major way. Has it not Eric? It has indeed. You know, you go back and you look at where WCW was and the type of programming that existed. You had WCW Saturday night, which was before, prior to nitro, the mothership as dusty Rhodes would say, um, you had Sunday nights main event on TBS, which was also a very important show. And then you had uh, one, two, three, I think, shows uh, that were syndicated. All of them were important. But at one point in time, you know, Clash of the Champions was the premier WCW event on the uh, on TBS. And once Nitro came along, because of the resources, the energy, the, the format, all the excitement that surrounded Nitro, uh, Clash of the Champions became... I'll be, I'll be kind here and say less significant. It, it also became, it, it, it almost became an obstacle because it's hard to make everything feel as important uh, as it once did when you've got such a game changer that Nitro had become. And, and as a result, you know, it, it wouldn't be long before Clash of the Champions was uh, going to be gone. So we see Ultimo Dragon here taking on Dean Malenko, and it was written in the Observer that the original plan uh, was Jushin Liger. That had certainly been advertised, Liger versus Dragon. We even saw a promo for it a couple of weeks ago. 
but now it's Dean replacing, um, Jushin Liger and it's written in the observer. This was actually a visa issue. How challenging was that for WCW? The, and maybe explain what a visa issue is for some of our younger listeners who may not understand what that even means. Yeah. When, whenever you come into the United States, well, it used to be, I don't know about it anymore, but, um, technically when you came into the United States to work, you had to get a visa. You were not coming over here to, as a tourist or just to visit friends or family, you were coming over here as a part of, you know, gainful employment. And in order to do that, you had to get a visa, um, so that the government knew what you were doing and probably more importantly, wanted to tax you accordingly. But, um, the visa was a process, you know, fortunately with Turner, you know, there was a lot of international travel going on within Turner broadcasting, you know, as a whole CNN and everything else. So, you know, usually visas were not a big issue unless you waited till the last minute or there was some other issue with, with, with your records or the information you provided in order to get that visa. So I would say 80, 90% of the time, you know, getting a visa was no big deal, but in this particular case, evidently it became one. As a reminder, we're here at the Wisconsin center. You heard them say, uh, the old Mecca it's in Milwaukee. Uh, there's 5,696 paying fans here. There's about 6,800 in the building. So maybe 900 comps. Uh, the gate is $88,466, which once upon a time would have been big business for WCW, even in this era, probably not disappointing, but man, it's interesting to sort of track how the business moves. I mean, in reality, you know, that would have been a disaster in 1998, but here you're not disappointed in it. It's fun to go back and sort of look at the numbers and how they moved up and up and up and up in this nitro era. Is it not? Until they didn't. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And then I'd rather not talk about it if that's okay. <laughs> Meltzer really liked this match, by the way. He says these two are incredible, and this match was off the charts. Malenko won by submission with the Texas Cloverleaf after doing a tiger driver. Psychology was awesome. Moves by both were awesome. Even more impressive is that about five minutes in, Dragon kicked Malenko in the back, and it basically hit the spine and numbed his entire lower body. And he did the rest of a match with no lower body feeling and collapsed basically as he went across the curtain after the match, a uh, pretty scary deal here, but somehow, uh, we, we couldn't really tell watching it, or at least I couldn't back then. Do you remember this? Vaguely remember it. Um, I wasn't, you know, backstage when it happened. So I heard about it subsequently, but of course, always concerned, you know, back injuries can be really, really dangerous. All injuries are dangerous, but neck and back injuries in particular have that potential of being permanent. So of course, uh, there was a lot of concern, but, uh, we found out shortly thereafter that Dean was going to be just fine. So it's the new year and magic spoon is perfect for meeting your goals, whether it's eating healthier or saving more time in your morning routine. Magic spoon fits perfectly into your new year's resolutions, as well as my own. Listen, everybody is trying to eat better in the new year. And you're probably thinking, man, I can't eat anything anymore. I mean, that's probably why we gave up cereal in the first place, right? I mean, growing up cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but once we get a little older and we realize it's full of sugar and junk, we shouldn't be eating. We probably scale it back. And now in the new year, as I said, we're trying to eat better. By the way, healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Thanks to magic spoon. Magic spoon has the amazing flavors you love without all the bad stuff. And it's amazing as a midnight snack right before bed. 
If you've been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, unhealthy food, don't feel like you can't eat anything fun. This is a home run. I'm talking about magic spoon. It's zero grams of sugar. It's 13 to 14 grams of protein, and it's only four net grams of carbs in each serving. By the way, it's only 140 calories a serving. It's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free. It's soy free. It's low carb, and you can even build your own box. Check all these available flavors out for your very own custom bundle. They've got cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and even maple waffle. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash 83 weeks to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right. Be sure to use our promo code 83 weeks at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash 83 weeks. And remember to use the code 83 weeks to save $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring today's episode. This is actually a rematch, believe it or not, from the night before. Of course, originally this was supposed to be Liger, but now Malenko's in. Um, The Dragon had just beat Dean the night before, so this is... Uh, his victory night, you know, the, the return match, if you will. So I guess we're tied at one apiece just based on this week. Um, you know, we, we, we talk a lot. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Conrad, Go ahead. but we talk, we talk so much about the unbelievable cruiserweight talent that really made their mark in WCW and mainstream television, uh, in a way that they never had before. And there were so many amazing performers in that division. Um, it's interesting how Ultimo Dragon, everybody recognizes him for being as good as he was, but he, he's just not usually top of mind when you talk about, you know, the Rey Mysterios and the Eddie Guerreros and the Chris Benoit, who we'll see in a little while, Chris Jericho as a cruiserweight. Uh, Ultimo Dragon kind of gets lost in the discussion sometimes. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, he wasn't a full-time resident, really of WCW in terms of the roster, meaning that he was competing so much all over the world. He was a huge name in Mexico, obviously very big in Japan, uh, but he traveled so much that he didn't really get the kind of uh, name recognition that I think he really deserves. But you know, when you watch him in the ring, especially with a guy like Dean Malenko and Dean will bring out the best in a guy like Ultimo Dragon and vice versa, you know, you can see that at that time, you can debate who is more popular. You can debate who you like to watch more, but I don't think there's any debate that Ultimo Dragon, from a technical technical point of view, inside that ring, uh, was at the top of anybody's list when you really want to compare skill and ability. There's your old pal Sonny Ono. How long do you think you and Sonny have been friends? Or, or better said, how old were you when you and Sonny first became friends? Geez, you know, we, we met through martial arts, Sonny and I, Sonny, you know, had his own chain of karate schools in, in Mason city, Iowa and Albert Lee, Minnesota, a couple other places, locations. Sonny was a, a very, very highly ranked and, and respected uh, martial artist. Uh, back before UFC, there was a, a sanctioning body called the PKA or professional karate association. And PKA was, you know, making some great strides. They had television uh, occasionally, like on CBS Sports Spectacular, some of the big fights that you see, you know, names like Bill Wallace you'd see there and Pat Worley, who was actually one of my instructors. Uh, Gordon Franks, another one of my instructors. Uh, John Longstreet was a guy that I competed with and trained under uh, for a long time. So 
PKA came close. You know, their goal was to to establish themselves on regular uh, television as a professional uh, combat sport. And Sonny was a very, very highly ranked PKA competitor. Uh, I think at one point he was either the number one or number two Bantamweight, uh, uh, ranked Bantamweight in the world in PKA. And in addition to that, Sonny, who practiced a, a very traditional um, form of martial arts, um, also competed in a division called Kata, which is hard to explain. It's kind of like martial arts ballet would be the best way to try to explain it quickly. And Sonny was one of the best in the world. Uh, and I met Sonny probably about 1976. Uh, I met him on the tournament circuit and Sonny would train often in, in our martial arts schools. Uh, and we just, we became really close friends. So in 19, what was I? 21, maybe 22. Wow. Long time friendship. Long time for and Sonny's a great guy. Our families became very close. Um, they still are close. Uh, Sonny and his wife, Julie, uh, live now in Dallas. So they could be, uh, well, they still have their place in Mason city, but they spend probably half the year in Dallas because they have grandchildren there. And, um, Sonny's doing great, man. So he had a scare a while back, uh, had a heart attack on the way coming back from Japan, actually. And had a heart attack on the plane, which is a bad place to have a heart attack. Oh, man. Never a good place to have a heart attack. But that was probably one of the worst because you're, you know, you're, there's no place to drop that plane in an emergency, right? Uh, but uh, he kicked out of it, had, had heart surgery, kicked out of it, and he's doing great. We, uh, we want to mention the night before we've, we've alluded to this was a Tuesday and Nitro was the night before and yada, yada. It's a record setting Nitro. It's a Chicago show at the United center and WCW historically had ran smaller buildings like the UIC pavilion just to be in the United center is a big dog on deal here in January of 97 for WCW. And we once again, set a company attendance record. We've got a gate of $189,206. It actually beat the Superdome gate that we talked about last week. You know, we've talked about it for a while, but with $107,000 in merch, $189,000 through the turnstile, Chicago was becoming like the home of wrestling in America. Was it not? It was indeed. And, you know, when you look at those numbers, you know, take those dollars in 1997, adjust them for inflation. If you want to compare where WCW was then to what's going on now, it becomes even more impressive. And one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, watching that open um, was Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. He, he had such a legacy and history in Milwaukee and Chicago. I had the pleasure this past summer of being invited to the Crusher Fest, which it happens annually um, and it takes place outdoors. It's a big celebration of the Crusher in South Milwaukee. There's a big bronze statue of the Crusher there in the town square. And it was such a cool event. You know, I got to hang out with Jim Brunzel, a guy that, you know, I grew up watching when I moved to Minnesota from Pittsburgh as a young teenager and, you know, became a big fan of Jim's. And um, I got to hang out with Jim and really for the first time in all these years, go from being a fan at 14 and 15 years old to being in, being in the industry for over 30 years, it was the first time I had a chance to sit down and talk to Jim and amazing stories. Um, the city of Milwaukee still to this day embraces, 
you know, the crusher. He's beloved there. Got to meet his some of his family and uh, got a nice Christmas card from them this year. So I'm looking forward to going back this year. But Chicago and Milwaukee, you know, an hour away by car. That really was, in many respects, the epicenter. Minneapolis, Chicago, and Milwaukee was the AWA's kind of footprint hotbed. Yeah, that time. they they owned that market. So it it was just fun to to watch. WCW, who, you know, didn't really have a lot of success in that market, you know, prior to my arrival and even, you know, for a couple of years after I'd been there. But to be able to come in and I don't want to say own that market, but to establish ourselves as well as we did in that market back in 97 was very gratifying for me for a lot of reasons. Well, it should have been very gratifying. It's the fourth largest gate in company history, not for Halloween Havoc, not for Starcade, not for Bash at the Beach. For a freaking nitro, and it's already the fourth <laughs> biggest gate in company history. And we see a uh, top rope Frankensteiner there, or Hurricane Rana, I guess it's called here. Either way, though, I want to mention something you couldn't help yourself but note on nitro. Because, uh, of course, WrestleMania 13 is going to happen a couple months after this, also in Chicago, but at the Rosemont Horizon, which again is a smaller building. And you made sure to, nit- to note on nitro that this would be the largest crowd to see pro wrestling in Chicago in 1997. Nice little subtle jab. Like, Hey, this is just our Monday night show. Enjoy WrestleMania here with a smaller fucking audience. That's so Eric. Yeah, I, did that I, of, I did that kind of shit all the time. Didn't I? I just, love it. It was it, my, 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 my tactic at that point was death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> a little shot here, a little shot there, you know, over time it adds up. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't help myself. That was, that was me just. Stroking my ego. I do have an ego, by the way. I not as much anymore. I think it's a healthier ego now. But back then, I was man. I feed that thing. It was a monster. I could barely, I could barely feed it often enough. This is going to be the finish right here. I think Texas Cloverleaf. There it is. You see Brian Curtis ringing the bell. We've got a new cruiserweight champion. Look at the crowd. Brian Curtis looked really excited there, didn't he? He was happy for Dean. He's selling it for a title uh, he, change. Brian Curtis was more excited about that finish than Dean was. <laughs> so he's a three-time now cruiserweight champion. He tells the camera, man, that was a great match. I, I don't think I'll ever get tired of seeing Ultimo Dragon or Dean Malenko or Ray Mysterio or Hooventude or the cruiserweights were just such a, a vital part of what you guys were doing. And it's always a great way to open any show. Look at that crowd too. If, if you're able to watch this along with us. You know, it's one thing for you and I to sit back and watch a match and talk about how much we enjoyed it, but everybody's on their feet. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, and this is not main event. This is not, you know, long-term storyline. This isn't a big build. This is the crowd reacting to two amazing performers. And it, it, it's fun to watch, fun to watch. I like the pet boys power pin of the week is not even a pin. It's a submission, but Hey, whatever. Pet boys is still getting mileage out of their sponsorship 25 years later. I, I love that. Uh, that's still in the network. Of course you don't see any yeah, of the commercials. Pet boys, but. Pet boys came to us, uh, because of Sturgis, yep. you know, another example of, you know, how Sturgis really helped WCW kind of break into that automotive category. Gas and oil, as they call it gas and oil. A lot of folks there. And we see, uh, now the, uh, promotional consideration pieces. So it's going to be another little sponsored piece that still lives on the network, which to me is just, 
unbelievable when you think about it. I mean, Slim Jim's getting a plug right now, and so is Chef Boyardee. Uh, fantastic. Uh, you know what's uh, also fantastic, Connor? I noticed this the other day. I stopped in a stopped in a store to fill up my truck with gas, you know, convenience place that had gas, and I walked in, and there's still Macho Man, Randy Savage, Slim Jim, you know, promotional items and, and product. Uh, and, and it just brought a, brought a smile to my heart. It was kind of cool to see that. So we're back in the ring already. And we've got, uh, Scotty Riggs and Mike Enos here. They're only going to get two minutes and 26 seconds. Riggs is going to get the win. Um, Meltzer would say Riggs didn't get over, but he worked hard. And Enos was actually quite good given the time limitations he was under. And we've recently talked about what if with Scotty Riggs and Buff Bagwell as the American males, but something we don't have to guess about at this point is what's up with Randy Savage. He's been gone for three months, but he came back the night before on nitro and he's going to attack uh, a variety of folks, Chavo Guerrero and Doug Dillinger. And eventually Savage is just going to sit in the ring and refuse to move. He claims he's been black blacklisted by you, Eric. Uh, where's the idea for that come from, you know, that he's sort of a man with no country or, or he's not putting up with your stuff. I mean, it almost feels like we're not necessarily saying he's, you know, in the sting spot, but we even give that inference a little bit because sting comes down from the ceiling and he gives Savage his bat, which sort of indicates, Hey man, you're okay. Cause at this point we don't know is sting with us. Is he against us? How does he feel about the NWO and but he, he's, he's aligning a little bit with Randy Savage. What can you tell us about Savage coming back in this manner? I, I think it was a way to, uh, to build on the intrigue to further the, the story that it was going to definitely be an NWO versus WCW. And I think sting being the, the, the lone ranger in that story, so to speak, you know, we had established that, can you trust him? Can you not trust him? All of that. And now to add Savage into that mix uh, only kind of uh, amplified that you never know what's going to happen kind of feeling. In addition to that, I think one of the advantages we had with Randy, and this is always tricky, you know, I've always believed that the absence makes the heart go grow fonder factor is really important, especially when you're producing television like we were at this level, you know, week in, week out, 52 weeks a year, when you've got somebody at the top like Randy was in that top category, you know, when you see them each and every week, it's not hard for the audience to become, oh, I don't know, less interested unless there's something really big going on in that story. But you take somebody like Randy Savage, you take him off television for a couple weeks, a month, in this case, three months, when he comes back, you know, he's coming back at two X in terms of, you know, the audience appreciation for him because they hadn't seen him for a long time. So there was, there was a couple reasons for it, but uh, more than anything, we wanted to, to further the intrigue of the WCW versus NWO and who can be trusted and who couldn't be trusted. Most likely if you're anything like me, you've been reading and hearing more and more and more about CBD and it's a great thing. But some people don't realize CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, like stress, anxiety, pain. Take your pick. Now, in my case, for the majority of my adult life, I've had a really difficult time falling asleep and staying asleep once I did. 
And I tried different, you know, over-the-counter things. I, I, I tried prescription sleeping aids. Didn't like it because I woke up in the morning and my head felt like a bucket of wet cement. And then I found Feels. I love this product. I fall asleep quickly. I stay asleep all night and I wake up with a real clear head ready to get going. And Feels is just a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD that will help keep your head clear and you're going to feel your best. It's hassle-free. They deliver it right to your door. It can't get any easier than that. And you know what you're getting, more important. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and like I said, in my case, sleeplessness. All you do is put a few drops under your tongue and you're going to notice the difference in just a few minutes. Now, the thing that you need to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important because everybody's dose is different depending on your body weight and metabolism and things like that. What do you do? Well, <laughs> Feels offers a free CBD hotline that'll help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose for you, your metabolism, your age, your weight. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. Joining the Feels monthly membership program makes your self-care way easy. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel anytime you want. Here's all you need to do, man. Start feeling better with Feels today. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash 83 weeks. Now get this. This almost feels like a Christmas present, folks. And <laughs> not just a, a, a sponsor read. You're going to get 50% off your first order with free shipping. I, I got to say that one more time. Becoming a member today by going to feels.com slash 83 weeks. And you get 50% off first order and you get free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash 83 weeks to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash 83 weeks. Feel better, everybody. So there you see Riggs get his hand raised and now we've got the tease for uh, Benoit and Taskmaster coming up. I think we've uh, actually got teased, by the way, that visual was just horrible. I don't know who came up with that. Let's track it here. Or maybe not. Your chance to cash in on the coolest pay-per-view around. The NWO sold out t-shirt for only 20 bucks. Just call 1-800-NWO-0242. Buy this shirt. Buy this shirt. The preceding announcement has been paid for by the new world When you talk about the gift that keeps on giving, brother, that NWO stuff is still selling hot to this day. And another thing I always get a big kick out of is when we ever go to a a live event or even, you know, you see him on television, man, that merchandise is still out there in the arena, you know, whether it's, you know, a a big, you know, premium live event or a television show or any of the events that we do, you know, go to an independent event, go to a a convention, autograph signing, and people are still wearing their NWO merchandise. It's, it's really rewarding to see that. So we got me financially. So at least not for me, Hulk and, and Scott and Kevin, you know, they're still, uh, they're still making cheese, but for me, it's just fun to see. Let's track our uh, four horsemen interview with me and Gene. Better this morning at a very prominent Chicago hotel restaurant, a summit meeting of the four horsemen, apparently a meeting of the minds and we're back together again. Is that the case? Chris Benoit, the horsemen will dominate in 97. Kevin Sullivan 
I hope you're watching. You're looking directly into your fate, into your destiny. Yes, I've got total control of your fate, your destiny. I can take away whatever I want of yours anytime I please. You call this a chess game? You say that I made this personal? <laughs> That's irrelevant. I'm beating you, Sullivan. I'm beating you physically. I'm beating you mentally. I'm beating you spiritually. You're looking at a Wolverine that has tasted blood. And when I don't get what I want, I cripple. I've got a very fragile mind, Sullivan. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to take away everything you have. The last thing I'm going to take away from you will be your career. All right. Uh, seems at least, Art Anderson, that uh, uh, you gentlemen are focused here. He's thinking about his upcoming match with Benoit. The horsemen are getting their act together again, so to speak. The fact is, Sullivan, this man reached in and he ripped the heart right out of your chest. That's ancient history. Tonight, you're going to see how the horsemen operate. All I'm asking you, Benoit, because it wasn't that long ago when Sullivan cracked me with a chair, is just finish off the rest of the carcass. All right, uh, Steve Mongo McMichael, speaking of horseman style, you seem to fit in very well. Listen up, you Limburger losers! <laughs> you know, there's a pretty famous guy once said here in Wisconsin, when it ain't everything... It's the only thing! And Kevin Sullivan, you little toad, can you see the look in that man's eye? That's a horseman. These two have ripped your heart out. Now they're coming out to throw it on the ground. Stop it and squeeze the life out of it, my friend. You're through. Tonight is horseman time, baby. All right, apparently all for one and one for all. The horseman certainly backing up Chris Benoit, his effort coming up tonight against uh, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. Yes, Deborah, you were going to say something? Oh, no. You know, I'm just having a great time with these lovely people here. And, well, you know, Gene, I don't mean to be catty or anything like that, but, you know, they do happen to call me the queen of the WCW because I am very beautiful and, of course, very young. Well, well, they happen to call a woman the Queen of Sheba because she's been dead for over 2,000 years and looks it. Please, give me a break. Thank you very much. They mm. also call Leona Helmsley the Queen. Thank you. Let's go back to uh, the ring for more action. So we can cut it there. We, uh, we've heard this horseman saga continue, but most notably there, what you heard is all of Milwaukee chanting very loud and proud. We want flair. We want flair. Both Hogan and flair were advertised for this program. Neither are going to appear. They're not in the building. And then as they're out there doing the horseman promo, they're more interested in booing Mongo because they're in Packer country, baby. And. Of course they hate the bears. So bears suck. Bears suck. Uh, mega heat for Mongo. And you loved how he played into it. Yeah. A couple of things I'd like to break down here before we get into this match. Um, 
as great as Chris Benoit was in the ring, his promos were marginal. Yeah. You know, it, it, it felt so sixties or seventies. He was always trying to dig so deep and the cadence. It never felt natural, but there was a point in Benoit's promo there where he, he sounded, he sounded real. Yeah. He didn't sound like he was cutting a wrestling promo. He wasn't trying too hard. It came naturally to him for about a third or quite maybe a half of that promo towards the end. It felt really good. Um, a couple of things. I'm just going to say it, man, probably not politically correct, but it, it struck me. Um, it struck me when he said, I have a fragile mind. Uh, man, kind of gave me the chills. But uh, the other thing I want to point out is Mongo's promo. Yeah. That was an excellent promo by anybody's standards. Now, was he Ric Flair? No. Was he Hulk Hogan? No. Um, but that promo that we heard from Mongo, I'd give that an eight on a scale of one to 10. And for a guy who really hadn't been in the business very long, it says a lot. He did a great job. I want to mention, we're talking over uh, a lot of talented folks here. Uh, we've got Chris Jericho, who's relatively new to the promotion, just a handful of months in teaming with super Calo and Chavo Guerrero jr. They're going to be taking on Conan La Parca and JL, who we know is Jerry Lynn, who I believe just went into the indie wrestling hall of fame this past weekend, which was a very nice ceremony to celebrate some of the unsung heroes of professional wrestling, uh, who may not get all the glitz and glamor of the WWE stage one day and very deserving. Mr. Jerry Lynn universally beloved. One of the most well-liked individuals, maybe even too nice for wrestling. As they say, uh, somebody who maybe was not too nice for wrestling, Mr. Don Fry. I bring him up because it's reported in the observer. Don Fry was recently interviewed on a Texas radio station and asked about the rumors of him replacing Steve McMichael in the four horsemen. And he said, he's been talking regularly to Ric Flair about it and hopes it happens. Do you remember there ever being any conversations with Don Fry about coming into WCW? Sure. I met with Don, uh, at, uh, CNN headquarters, um, uh, or at CNN center, I should say. I met with Don, we had lunch, we, we spoke a couple of times, but it, it never came to fruition. You know, there were, there were exploratory conversations, but nothing too serious, by the way, not to keep talking over this phenomenal match with this great group of talent, but uh, our producer, Steve Kaufman has just, uh, given me some information about the gate. So if we adjusted it to inflation, that would be about $247,000 in today's dollars. So it, it, and when seeing that made it even more impressive, but yeah, we did have a couple conversations on Friday night, but it, it never really came to fruition. Well, let me ask about, you know, the way this whole, um, horseman thing is evolving. We know that there's going to be an issue with, with Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit. And we hope to get to the bottom of that later tonight, but that's not necessarily an inner horseman battle, but it very much is a situation where you're seeing, you're seeing the women play off of each other. Like Deborah was just sort of talking smack about woman. What was the payoff supposed to be there? I mean, the, there's infighting with the women was the idea, hopefully Mongo and Deborah against woman and Benoit that doesn't seem like a payoff. What was the thinking? I, you know, I don't know. I, I I'd like to get Kevin Sullivan on and, and ask him if he has any recall on that. And, and by the way, breaking down that promo, her promo sucked. Um, that was horrible. 
that is a perfect example of somebody who's given a microphone that shouldn't be given a microphone or potentially a, a case of much less is much more. But I don't know. You know, Deborah was never going to get in the ring, so there wouldn't have been a payoff there other than perhaps, and you know, I think Kevin may be able to shed some light on this, perhaps it was to tease, again, a, a kind of a fractured four horsemen type of storyline. And again, just to help create the, you know, what's going to happen next if this continues kind of feeling amongst the audience. Talking over a good match here. Of course, I love LaParka. I think everybody listening to this loves the real chairman of WCW. And as we mentioned, JL universally loved. Want to send a little love Conan's way, though. It was recently revealed online. And I think he even spoke about it on his podcast that, boy, he had uh, quite the COVID scare where uh, maybe he is, is hurting now. Um, the rumor in innuendo is that he's going to need some, some stuff, some major surgeries and boy, we sure are pulling for him. You and I think a lot of Conan, do we not? Oh man, I, I, nothing but love and respect for Conan. And it's funny how, you know, Conan and I, you know, we were kind of on again, off again, working together. You know, we, we, there were times when, uh, our relationship was really strong and, and very, very positive. And there were times when it wasn't. But it's interesting how, you know, over the years, Conan and I, Conan and I have become pretty close and there's not a lot of people that I have a lot of much more respect for today than Conan. And, uh, yeah, I, I heard about it, you know, when it went down, uh, his issues, I haven't talked to him since, although I did reach out to Conan cause we, we, obviously we covered Conan a couple of weeks ago here on 83 weeks and we got such, so much positive feedback for it that, um, People wanted to hear more, and I had reached out to Conan and asked him if he'd do something you know, special for us for ad-free shows because there were just a lot of questions that I had for Conan, you know, things that I didn't recall, and I wanted to hear his perspective. And I didn't hear from Conan for a couple of days, and then I found out he had some issues. But as soon as he got out of the hospital, he reached out to me and said, I'm down, brother. Let me know when. So we'll be hearing from Conan very, very soon over at adfreeshows.com. Man, that's exciting, and, and I'm glad that you know, it feels like we're headed in the right direction on all of his health stuff because, uh, man, he's, uh, he's too cool for school. We need a lot more Conan in our life. He's and not only too cool for school. He's a smart, smart guy. You know, when you sit down and talk to, he's very well read. He knows history. He's, he's very articulate on a lot of subjects outside of wrestling. And it's one of the reasons I always enjoy doing this podcast. And that gets it done. Top rope, uh, is uh, all it takes for Mr. JL. And uh, his teammates try to make the save, but that doesn't work. Jericho gets his hand raised and, uh, there you have it. Six man, high, high, uh, high paced flying action. Whatever I'm trying to say here, the, uh, replay here shows the big two pace suicida three and a half stars on the observer five and a half minutes. And uh, Meltzer would say crowd was really into the match was said something considering four of the guys have no television credibility and there was no issue involved. But the crowd started the match hating Jericho big time, but his work and finisher won him over. And that's uh two matches in a row now where we've seen a top row Hurricane Rana. Maybe we needed a little more communication in the back on that deal, huh? Yeah, that's one of the things that unfortunately happened too often in WCW is you know, guys would get together and start laying out their matches and that that process would take 
place throughout the entire day, sometimes leading up to, you know, minutes before they went out to perform. And as they changed the match or added elements or took elements out in some cases, they often didn't communicate as well as they should have to their agent uh, in, 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 that, in some cases. But they also weren't able or didn't watch the matches that were happening before them because they were busy, you know, trying to come up with the best match they could. And uh, this is a perfect example of that. It wasn't, you know, no, no, uh, there was no nefarious intent involved, you know, uh, but it was just, it was the nature of the business back then, unfortunately. Uh, Harlem Heat here uh, are going to be taking on Renegade and Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez in the ring right now. This only gets a, a quarter star. Um, they go three minutes and 44 seconds in real life. Of course, Joe Gomez is probably one of Ric Flair's very best friends. Although he doesn't quite look like Joe Gomez here in 1997 anymore. None of us do brother. Come on. None of us do. I'm just saying he's got short hair. I mean, this guy looks like he's fresh off of a native American movie. Like he's, I mean, this is a different deal. I mean, he's Rico Suave here with hair down to his ass. And now he's got, you know, hair as short as mine and yours. Yeah, I, and I ran into Joe uh, six months or so ago. Our buddy Mike Dawkins uh, had an event talking about sports entertainment, the success of, of WWE in the Tampa St. Pete market coming off the heels of, of WrestleMania last year. And I got invited to be on the panel with a lot of the big wigs in the, in the Tampa St. Pete area, business people. And Joe was also on the panel because Joe is a, a very successful businessman in the Tampa area. So it was great seeing Joe. We caught up. I hadn't really talked to Joe in, I don't know, 20 years or so, but, uh, J- Joe's a good guy. And yeah, he and he and Rick are very, very close. I, uh, I can only imagine the type of frat house they're running down there these days. You know, I, I'd like to, you know, be a fly on the wall, but I don't think I could. I don't think I could handle it. I just, I, I can't run that hard anymore. <laughs> might be fun for a day or two. And then after that, it's probably an back hour to or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Booker T though, of course, is uh captaining uh, the most decorated tag team in WCW history. I mean, really there's no comparison. If you're just talking about title reigns and big matches and moments and big shows, it's Harlem heat all day. Now as a kid, man, I love me some Steiner brothers. They were my absolute favorite, but you can't argue with their record. And especially what Booker went on to do as a singles competitor either. Uh, so of course they've got to be uh, featured pretty prominently here. Uh, who would have been helping put together shows like clash of the champions. Is it the traditional, you know, these I ask, because I know these days there's like a SmackDown team and a raw team, and maybe sometimes they cross streams. But did you have any separate influence? Was TBS, did they take a different approach for Clash of the Champions or is it just business as usual? It's just another show. No, it was business as usual. You know, we didn't have the infrastructure, you know, back in 96. Well, at any time, we didn't have the infrastructure and and the organization, quite frankly, that WWE has or even AEW has. You know, there's a lot of really good producers in AEW right now, and it's a lot easier to produce an, you know, a, a multiple of shows without, for example, you know, the same mistake that we saw early on where you see two of the same finishes, you know, within the first three yeah. matches, that kind of mistake doesn't happen in AEW or WWE today, because I think everybody recognized that. Yeah. If you're going to create more content, you're going to produce more matches. You need the infrastructure to help keep it 
organized and, and, and not be redundant. But we didn't have that back then. It was the same crew doing everything every single week. So, you know, what, the team, you know, agents and bookers and everything that were in charge of, of Clash of the Champions were the same crew that was, you know, producing Nitro a couple of days before. Joe Gomez, tag team partner, as the match is over now, uh, was Renegade. And it's kind of crazy to even think that Renegade was still around here in 1997. I don't mean the person. I'm glad he was around in 1997, but it just felt like the character. Boy, you probably should have dusted that off and repackaged that fellow in hindsight by this point, huh? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. It, it wasn't working. And that was another thing that I think if I'm honest about it is... I didn't have, oh, I guess the discipline maybe would be the best word to pull the trigger when the time was right, you know, to whether it was positioning somebody with where they should have been positioned or in some cases looking at something that wasn't working and making the decision that, okay, we tried it. It didn't work. Let's move on. Either let someone go or completely repackage him. I, I just wasn't as quick to do that as I wish I would have been sometimes. Well, I want to mention you, uh, you do see a fair share of curveballs thrown your way. Like the night before LaParca was supposed to be on nitro at the United center, but he wasn't able to work because his plane kept his bag. So all of his gear was on the plane. He didn't get it until the next day. So he's able to wrestle here for clash of the champions, but isn't that like wrestler one Oh one, you always carry on your, your shit. You never check that. Yeah. There were a lot of similar issues that happened all too frequently with the crew that came out of Mexico. And I alluded to some of the issues that Conan and I did have when we had them. And you know, that was one of them. That was one example of, of the types of issues that we had. And a lot of it had to do with number one communication Number two, the guys in the, from Mexico were often also working in Mexico, and, and that made scheduling and traveling and that type of issue uh, all too frequent. We see Masahiro Chono coming to the ring here. You want to talk about guys who were cool. This guy's cooler than the other side of the pillow, and he's going to be taking on Alex Wright. They're going to get four and a half, match, uh, four and a half minutes here for this match that is really almost going to serve as a backdrop for the Nick Patrick storyline. Nick Patrick, of course, is now a heel referee or is he, we're not sure what we can trust or not trust. So we'll take a look and see, but Alex Wright in hindsight feels like somebody who was going to be, uh, I don't know. Can't miss long-term, you know, he's so young. He's so good in the ring. And then you guys would try a, a fresh, uh, paint of coat, as Bruce says, with, um, the whole Berlin character. Why do you think, is it just, was it just his health scare that he had that, that just sidelined It's just timing for Alex, Wright In hindsight, I think it's timing. I think, you know, Alex, Wright When he came out with his like Chippendales dick dancer gimmick, um, kind of ended up in the same position, I think is, you know, Mark Merrill and Johnny B. Bad. Once, once you establish a character with an audience and you give them a gimmick that they just don't really dig, it's kind of hard to shed it. And I was just, before you even asked me that question, as I was watching Alex come out, man, oh man, I would, if, if I could have a do over, 
Uh, well, there'd be a lot of them, but bringing out, of course I didn't bring Alex right in. I didn't give him the, you know, heartthrob gimmick that he had when he showed up in WCW, but um, man, what a great opportunity, phenomenal athlete, amazing look. He could cut a good promo. He wasn't given a ton of opportunity or and he wasn't given a ton of direction, um, but it was all there. And Alex has a professional wrestling school in Germany now and, and doing quite well, but uh, all the potential in the world, man, all the potential in the world and a great guy. So I think he was like 16 here too. <laughs> Not really, but he was very, very, very young. So Nick Patrick going full-blown NWO referee, even got the backwards hat in hindsight. Do you like the Nick Patrick storyline of the NWO has their own referee or not so much? Not so much. I think it would have been much more effective if we would have kind of kept it a little bit ambiguous. So people weren't so sure he was really going to side with the NWO. We did that for a while and we built upon that for a while but we accelerated it and made him a full-fledged NWO referee. And there were reasons for it, but they don't matter. It, the answer to your question is I wish we wouldn't have gone that far. The, rubbing the audience's nose in it, um, I think, took away from the match for the most part or took away from the matches where he refed as an NWO ref. I think it could have been done better. And he, with that said, that wasn't Nick Patrick's fault. Nick Patrick going back and watching these shows with you, you know, over the last couple of years, really, I, I watched some of the stuff that Nick did, especially some of his promos. Nick Patrick was one of the best, you know, particularly in this storyline. He was so good. You know, he knew how to, to advance the story, but he could do it in a way that was so believable right. and authentic. And then you'll hear me say that word, you know, authenticity is something that, I think is also lacking in today's professional wrestling landscape. And, but Nick was one of those guys that when he cut a promo, you, you weren't really sure if, you know, this is a worker, if this was for real and that's the magic, man, that's what makes this stuff work. I love that. This is when Nick Patrick knew how to do a slow count. <laughs> Easy. Masahiro Chono, had to, that, man. had to get that in there, didn't you? Masahiro Chono, I don't mean to jump you, Conrad, but Masahiro Chono is another interesting cat to talk about. You know, he, he became a part of the NWO New Japan faction and to this day is still making money off of the NWO over in Japan. He's done exceptionally well. And I, I may have mentioned this before on a previous episode, but I was over in Japan a couple of years ago for the Masa Saido Memorial and ended up doing some press with some of the Tokyo newspapers. And I found out then that the sheer volume, of uh, uh, dollar volume of merchandise that Masahiro Chono and New Japan sold was to this, well, back then, a couple of years ago, you know, some of the most successful merchandising that had ever been done in Japan. So hats off to Masahiro Chono, man. He knew a good thing when he saw it and took advantage of it. Alex Wright's had enough of Nick Patrick's bullshit and just kicks him in the leg. Great to see Alex Wright. I'd like to run into Alex. Hopefully I'll be doing, maybe we'll be doing an 83 weeks live event over there uh, in, in, in Germany. I got a call last week from a promoter in Wales that you know, wants me to come over and maybe tour, you know, Germany and uh, possibly France and believe it or not, Prague, Czechoslovakia. So 
depending on how things go, that, that would be a great opportunity. I'd love to see Alex. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Yakuza kid gets it done. Uh, so Masahiro Chono is going to win. I agree. I I think we're going to definitely have a, a trip or two across the pond this year. I heard from some folks who, uh, would like to bring us to the UK as well. So it's been a busy week as people are starting to plan out a big 2022. And here we go. Let's track this public enemy commercial. This is funny stuff. If we got a steal for you, that's steal, you idiot. You last one. We got it. It's the total package. Slash Luger official t-shirt. It's strong. It's durable. It's 100% cotton. As you can see, it even holds up under the rack. Get your Lex Luger t-shirt for only $22. How funny is that, Eric? Super funny stuff here as we see Public Enemy trying to shill a Lex Luger t-shirt. That might that might have been one of the coolest, funniest, most entertaining merchandise spots that I've seen. That was awesome. And now Eddie Guerrero is going to uh, jump into the ring here to take on Scott Norton. Talk about some talented uh, in-ring performers here. I don't know if this is going to be styles clash, but we'll see. It's going to be star and a quarter. According to Meltzer, they get five and a half minutes, but we know Eddie Guerrero is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And Scott Norton, a man's man. I love the extra stuff here. You know, way back when you used to have referees and wrestling check the opponents, but boy, he is being so meticulous as he checks Eddie Guerrero's boots and wrist tape and it's old school, but fun. So old school, but fun. And it sets it, you know, it tells a story right yes. off the bat, you know, opening, opening moments of, uh, act one. And it, he, he did a great job. You talk about Scott Norton, you know, people talk today about strong style. Like it's something new, you know, Scott Norton, I think was one of the best representatives of, and, and it was referred to as a strong style back then, uh, in new Japan, Scott had so much experience in new Japan. One of Masa Saido's favorite, um, American competitors and spent a lot of time over there as a result and work with some of the top names in Japan, but you're right, man, this is the potentially a clash of styles here on the clash of champions. 
because Scott is used to working with real big men in that very stiff, strong style, New Japan style wrestling. And here he's working with, you know, a high flyer in two totally different styles. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I wanted to ask you about some publicity that WCW was getting at the time. Ray Mysterio and the giant appeared on Regis and Kathy Lee, uh, the day before Hulk hall and Nash were all on the show. Lots of WCW on a pretty big time show. As far as daytime television goes, Regis had had long time, had a big time WWF relationship. And now you got WCW stars on the show. How did this come to be Hulk? Oh, wow. You know, yeah. I mean, that was one of the, uh, there were a lot of reasons why we wanted to bring Hulk Hogan in back in 1994. And we've talked about a lot of those reasons, you know, prior, so I won't go through it again, but you know, Hulk had, you know, media relationships and, and, and personal relationships that evolved out of the business side of it that made, you know, getting some of WCW talent on much easier than it would have otherwise been. But that was, that was really Hulk and his relationship with, with Regis uh, more than it had anything to do with WCW. And the fact that we were hot helped, but it was really Hulk Hogan was the, uh, he was the ambassador for WCW when it came to that kind of thing. I would not want to take a Scott Norton chop. I'm going to pass. I don't want to take a Scott Norton, anything, by the way, Scott Norton, despite his reputation, his abilities, his strength, his power, one of the kindest, gentlest people you'll ever meet. And also one of the funniest, if you ever have a chance, Conrad to sit down, you know, over a meal and have a couple of cocktails with, with a guy and you just want to hear some great stories. Scott Norton's one of the best, man. We, we got to look at him on uh, dark side of the ring when they were covering the North Korea event that we did together. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get to see the funny side of Scott there, but, and he is hilarious once you get him going. And so is his wife, his wife, his wife's a riot. She's funny too. At some point here, we're going to have uh, a bit of a surprise. So we'll, we'll be sure to track that because it gets a big pop. Let's remind you that eight days prior. Diamond Dallas page turned down the opportunity to join the NWO. Of course, Scott Norton is a part of the NWO proudly representing the NWO, not only here, but in Japan. And of course we've got an NWO referee. So it's NWO style, if you will. And I think we might see an emergence from DDP and man, that diamond cutter is, was already over, but now after he has turned down the NWO and laid out Scott Hall with the diamond cutter and left through the crowd. He is really a made man. Oh, what a power bomb right there. My goodness. Oh, that was amazing. Goodness gracious. If you're going to take a power bomb from somebody and you want the audience to believe it, Scott Norton's the guy to do it. That was visually that just looked like it shook every bone in Eddie's body loose. Took the wind out of me just watching it. Oh, and Eddie was playing possum drop kick on the Scott Norton as he's perched up top. A couple European uppercuts and what's Eddie got in mind here? This is an interesting move because so far throughout this match, Eddie was doing the little man, big man thing where he was trying to take Norton out. You saw him earlier on the match, you know, working over Scott's legs, attacking the knees, you know, chopping down the oak tree. Uh, as you might say, and here he's kind of going toe to toe with him, you know, 
surprised to see him go up in the corner with him, a much bigger guy, but let's, it worked. Let's track it here. That's DDP right there, man. He is making his way to the ring, and yeah. I, I have no idea what this is about. I'm of course, Eddie has been one of his major. Oh, Nick Patrick goes down. Well, that's good. That's good. DDP bouncing in the ring right here. There you go. Take that big Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter is right. Dusty, he got him good. He nailed him flush. Diamond Dallas with a Packer shirt on takes care of Scott Flash. Yeah, well, he's packing out of here now because bottom line. So we can cut the feed now, but my goodness, Holy Nash. the pop that DDP gets quickly. is just bananas. And as you heard Tony note, wearing a Packer shirt, he couldn't be a bigger baby face for this Milwaukee audience. So a diamond cutter and a frog splash very reluctantly. Nick Patrick has to count three. Eddie Guerrero steals a win for WCW. Very well done. I like this. I often talk about less is more. I use that reference a lot, sometimes probably too often, but what you saw with DDP and the way we use DDP in that segment, that is a perfect example of less is more. He yes. didn't you know, peacock with the crowd. He didn't try to take, he didn't take up too much of the camera time. He went in there, he got the job done and he left and he left the audience wanting more of him as a result, as opposed to overstaying his welcome, so to speak on camera. Really, really effective way of getting himself over. Obviously, it worked, but I, you, you contrast that with what you would see out of DDP two years earlier. Two totally different characters. Let's track it here for uh, Big Show or the Giant, rather. You're sitting there with your kids. You're sitting there with your family. You're talking to those other monkeys on the phone because you're trying to count how many lives you've got left. You four legged feline, do the math. You're thinking to yourself, if I used a life here, a life there, I barely got away from the giant last nitro. And luckily, all the security held me back. The security held me back. It took a mountain of them. It sold out. Nothing is going to hold me back, Hogan. You said you were my friend. You gave me the rides in the limos. I rode with you in the Learjet. The whole time, I wasn't your friend. I was the person that you were afraid of most. That's why you recruited me. That's why you paid me. And that's why you befriended me. Hogan, it doesn't work anymore. I have smartened up and I have seen the light. You know, when I think about your light, Hogan, and I think about your future in professional wrestling after sold out, you know what I think about it? I think it's real dim kind of reminds me of a match that struck it provides a purpose maybe it gives a little warmth maybe a little inspiration or maybe it just gets blown out sold out you're getting blown out wow hey that a good promo i think that might be the best one i've ever seen him do ever that is without a doubt one of the best ones he's ever done. And you know why it was good? Because he wasn't yelling at the top of his voice in the same cadence we always hear when guys who aren't good with promos try to be good at promos. It was real. It was believable. And you kind of want to lean in and hear what he had to say because he was speaking in a normal voice that I thought was far more threatening than the cartoonish, over-the-top, giant voice that he normally did promos in. I, I love that promo, man. 
And that was awesome. Blowing out the match at the end of it, told a story. I love that. It was excellent. I want to circle back to something you said a minute ago, because, um, you said, Hey, that is the epitome of less is more what you were doing with TDP. Not just that he came in, hit the diamond cutter and scooted back through the crowd. But the idea that he didn't pick up a microphone and drone on for 20 fucking minutes saying, and here's why I did, uh, what I did, uh, with the diamond cutter, uh, that is so formulaic and, and Lord knows I love me some WWE, but as I was watching SmackDown the other night, hoping to see you and Jeff on the show, we were like 20 something minutes into the show before there was any wrestling. It was just guys talking, holding microphones. And I realized we're watching clash of the champions, but. I, I really like the idea that we can just do something and that's it. That's the statement. We don't have to then belabor the point for eight minutes with a promo. Yeah. And oftentimes you, you take the audience's imagination out of the equation when you spend so much time with a narrative like that, you know, coming from the talent or promo, call it whatever you want. You know, it's unless they're the talent is really, really good. and has something really important to say. You just put people to sleep. You know, nobody is that good, in my opinion, anymore, where you can go out and talk for 15 minutes or 20 minutes in the mic, uh, on the mic in, in the ring in front of a live crowd and really hold that audience's imagination. More often than not, you do the opposite. You take them out of the equation because there's nothing for them to think about. There's nothing for them to wonder about. There's nothing for them to engage their own imaginations and start to, you know, put together what could happen or what might happen or what you want to happen. You just take them out of it. You know, I, I don't get that. And, you know, there was, there was a feeling, I don't know what it's like now because I'm not in the business any longer, but there was a feeling, especially back here in 1997, 1996, 98, that, you know, the more mic time you get, the more over you get. Right. And actually, I think it's the opposite. And Diamond Dallas Cage, Diamond Dallas Page, Diamond Dallas Page proved it. You know that that is a textbook example of why less really does mean so much more. And I, I wish today we would see people really start thinking about promos differently than typically what we see. So if you have a pet, you know, they're part of the family and fuzzy knows there's nothing that compares to coming home to a wiggle, butt or waking up to soft purrs. And that's why we want to keep our pets healthy and make them as happy as us. Fuzzy is a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24 seven access to personal pet care from veterinary professionals from everyday questions to middle of the night emergencies. Fuzzy has the answers that pet parents need. Through live chat and virtual vet consultations available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Fuzzy can answer your pet questions, big and small, urgent and every day. Fuzzy can also recommend the exact right products for your pet, all of which are handpicked by their established team of veterinary professionals and available at discounts exclusive to Fuzzy members. From getting your pet's diet just right to meeting their middle of the night needs to finally figuring out what makes their breath smell that way. Nothing is too big or small for a quick fuzzy call. Right now, Fuzzy is offering our listeners a free seven-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com slash 83 weeks today to sign up. That's a free seven-day trial at Y-O-U-R-F-U-Z-Z-Y.com slash 83 weeks. And for a limited time, Fuzzy is also offering a special discount of $20 off any of your pet's product needs. 
pet meds, supplements, food, and more with promo code 83weeks. That's yourfuzzy.com slash 83weeks for your free trial of Fuzzy with access to 24-7 personalized pet care and vet-recommended products. So these guys are going to get five minutes and four seconds. It's a false count anywhere match. And you see Sullivan is on the outside waving Benoit out and he's pointing to like the concourse saying, let's go up there. And man, fists of fire right away outside the ring. Meltzer would say they worked real hard, but it lacked something because they did the exact same match as the previous night, but with the other guy winning, they brawled into the bathroom, came out of the bathroom. Benoit took a bump down the stairs and they got in the ring and did the finish. Woman hit Sullivan with a chair to set up the pin. Benoit then broke a chair over Sullivan's head after the match. Hitting someone with a chair is against TBS guidelines, and Sullivan also bled, although it was probably the hard way after juicing the previous night. Three stars. Did TBS have an issue with chair shots or violence with, with objects or whatever? No. Oh, okay. No. Oh. Oh. I, I, I don't know where that came from, you know. Probably somebody told somebody to somebody to and that person told somebody else. And then it ended up on Dave's, uh, typewriter, but, uh, no, that wasn't an issue. No blood was, you know, and that, that varied, you know, that would kind of ebb and flow depending on, you know, out, you know, mainstream publicity and that type of thing and, and complaints from WWE. Cause every time we would do it, they'd have to clean up their act because they had a much more sophisticated advertiser base than WCW did. WCW, while we were outperforming them in ratings, we weren't able to attract advertisers the way WWE did. One of the reasons that WWE today is, is I often refer to it as sterile, and that sounds derogatory. I don't mean it to, but you know, they're, they're satisfying their advertising base. It yes. doesn't matter what your 18 to 49 year old demos are. If advertisers are not comfortable advertising in your product because of sex or violence or whatever. Um, and WWE was trying real hard to grow their advertising base. I wasn't as concerned about that as I was growing the audience, uh, at least initially, um, that, that would change obviously, but that it, it would, you know, whenever we'd get a complaint from an advertiser or oftentimes WWE would write a letter to Ted Turner and I'd get called up to Ted's office or Bill Shaw's office and, you know, they'd make me aware of it, but there was never really that much pressure. Occasionally, over the course of a couple of years, there had been a point or two when the pressure was more uh, than it had been. But for the most part, it really wasn't that big of an issue, especially if it was incidental. And guys like Kevin and, and Chris, you know, they didn't need to blade. They just opened up the hard way, you know, as you're seeing here. Kevin's eating some, some right hands here that I'm sure – intended to open him up. I'll tell you this. There's no chance I would want to take a bump, take a pinfall or count a pin in front of urinals at a wrestling show in a public restroom. No chance. Isn't that crazy? No, but thank yeah, you. Kevin, Kevin and Chris, I mean, Kevin, especially, man, he was, he was all in, he, he, he was an intense individual and there's not much Kevin wouldn't do to get a match over. This is the best part of this match right now. You know, the, the stuff in the ring is good, but the stuff in the bathroom I could live without because it never looks as good. Uh, it's hard to work in a situation like that and make things look good. Uh, 
But man, when you're in that crowd, this is interactive wrestling right here. It doesn't get any more interactive than this for crying. This is dangerous as hell is what this is. But that's, you know, that's Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit in 1997. They were dangerous in, in more ways than one. And that's uh, Bobby Eaton working as a security guard there. He was shoving fans on the way up, clearing the way right now. He's wearing a sweatshirt with, I guess, like an all access sticker, but it's not Doug Dillinger. That's in fact, Bobby Eaton, making sure these guys can get around to have their match. Yeah. Well, Doug Dillinger was bringing up the rear, so to speak. Uh, but Bobby Eaton was definitely out in front. Cause that's a high risk thing to do, man. Yes. I mean, this is a wrestling crowd in Milwaukee. This is not, you know, Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. Um, you get people riled up, you get people intense, you, you make them a part of the show by going out and performing in the crowd. Yeah. What are the odds that somebody wants to get in on the action? Pretty good usually. But again, Kevin and, and, and Chris had no fear, no fear of that whatsoever. We should mention this show got a 3.5 rating. Um, Try to put into context how many people you think that is in nineteen. That's about five million people when you do the math, because I think Nielsen at the time calculated that it was like one point five people to a household. So you take that rating and multiply it by one point three or one point five, and that'll give you an estimation of how many people watch. It's probably somewhere between four and a half and five million people. So here comes On a the Tuesday chair. night following a Monday night. Let's track <laughs> the audio here for the chair shot. Woman. That is all woman. I think she chose her man too. As he was going for the megaphone, he had his back turned. The moral is don't turn your back on a woman. Well, that's right. Especially that woman. Especially that woman. Well, you saw when she was making her way to the ring. She had something on her mind. And that's her man right there, Chris Benoit. Benoit's not done yet. He's looking for something. He's got more chairs. I'll You'll- tell you what, he's going to go for the hurt right oh, here. He sure is. Yeah, we're going for the hurt. We just mentioned about walking away from this. And I don't believe uh, they're not through until one man can't walk away. That unloaded on him right there. Oh, that sure did. We may need some medical attention. That'll do it. I-, I wanted to ask about, you know, I wanted you to at least hear the chair shot and the reaction, but I wanted to ask about the story in the observer because it feels like the lines are blurred in a big way. And I don't know what's real and what's Memorex, so I'll just ask. This is all according to the observer. Sullivan and Benoit are taking their angle to the extreme, so to speak. After the Nitro on January 13th, which is the one we watched with DDP eight days ago, there was a brawl where Sullivan punched Benoit twice at around 1230 AM at High Toppers, a bar near the Superdome, and they had a major pull apart after Benoit was making out with Nancy. This is similar to the Pillman deal and that only the ones in on it are probably Kevin, Nancy, Chris Bischoff, and a few others. And they're trying to pass it off to the boys as legit. Since most of the wrestlers were there because of the Pillman deal, almost none of the wrestlers buy it, but there were a few who thought it was legit. There are only a few people at the bar that weren't WCW personnel. What do you remember of this? Don't remember a lot of it. You know, that was Kevin and, and Chris. They, they, they were kind of, I mean, keep in mind, Kevin was the head writer, you know, and um, Kevin had, Kevin and Chris and woman laid a lot of this out. It was, he didn't run a lot of stuff by me that took place outside of the ring, obviously. 
I, I take exception to take exception. I'll challenge the reporting at the time. Um, there were a lot of talent that had no idea if it was live or Memorex, if it was real or not real, a lot of them. And it was a cause for a lot of debate internally. You know, um, there were some talent that were really concerned because it was real enough or felt too real to them. So to suggest that, you know, Oh, Russ was in a background buying it because of the Pillman thing. That's, you know, somebody's opinion who didn't really know what they were talking about and weren't in the environment to speak to it accurately. But it was a pretty big issue uh, backstage. People were concerned about it. So up next, we've got the Steiner brothers, and uh, they're going to be taking on what Meltzer called the lazy French Canadians, which is unfair. Um. They go six minutes and 55 seconds. Meltzer would say it was for, it was Scott's first match back. His new ring outfit has a weightlifting belt underneath to give his back added support. He didn't take any bumps or show anything requiring agility. And he's got to be close to 300 pounds. He gives it half a star as we see Colonel Parker in his mace, maybe most hilarious get up yet. My God. Uh, how would you describe what Colonel Parker's wearing without laughing? French foreign legion. That's what I think that's all about. He was, a, he was an officer in the French foreign legion. And how does he sound? Give me your best Colonel Robert Parker impression. As oh, I couldn't even do that, man. I'd butcher that. Do we hear from him in this promo? I hope so. I think it's, uh, if he gets the mic, we will track it, but they're singing the, uh, national anthem. Now, my God, this is good. Heat. Is he funny? I mean, Parker is such a great character at this time. He's just, he's the best. I, I, I love what going back and watching some of Colonel Parker's stuff. So Eric, you know, you and I, I don't know that we've talked about this, but as we're talking this week is the four year anniversary of where, uh, Bruce Pritchard and I did a live show at Barclays in New York. And during the course of that show, we had JBL as a very special guest. And then we had you as a special guest, and that's where you and I announced that we were starting 83 weeks. So the announcement that we're starting this podcast was four weeks ago or four years ago this week. Wow. That's crazy. And then all, and so much has happened. So much has changed. You know, we we had the whole pandemic and all that jazz, but, um, one thing we've never done on the program here is let fans sort of call in with questions. We've always just read questions off of Twitter. So we tried something new this week, uh, with adfreeshows.com, And we'd been trying to do this for a few weeks, but we finally got it dialed in and we've actually got the ability to play fan questions now here on the show. So with that in mind, uh, let's go to our uh, first caller from adfreeshows.com. Let's take a listen here. Well, easier said than done. We'll get to it at the end of the show. Uh, the Steiner brothers here, uh, going to be, uh, gearing up for sold out. This is going to be now the first time you've done a sold out. You've had a few opportunities to have big NWO moments, but now a whole NWO pay-per-view. And we're actually going to be doing a watch along for that over at adfreeshows.com, but Tell me the genesis of the idea of a whole NWO pay-per-view. Is that something that's pitched to you or is that from the mind of Eric Bischoff? No, that was, that was my idea. Um, and I know people have (laughs) varying opinions about it. Most of them, you know, not so positive, but 
again, it was the first real big step in a television way, I guess, pay-per-view sense, uh, pay-per-view way of really establishing or beginning to establish a NWO Nitro in a WCW Thunder kind of setup. It was the idea of, okay, we, we, we created the NWO, started out with, you know, Scott Hall, then Kevin, then the big surprise with Hulk, and then adding people to it. The intent really was to create two separate brands, one NWO, one WCW, and the fact that WCW was going to get their own pay-per-view uh, was another step in that process. That's really what it was all about. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's do one of our, uh, our callers here and, uh, take a listen. Hey, yeah, this is Chris Hughes. I'm enhancement. Uh, Eric was wanting to ask you about the four man booth with dusty and Bobby, the brain, Heenan, Tony, and, uh, of course, Mike Tanay, and how you felt about the four man booth in this particular instance. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. So, hey, I, I really appreciate that question. It's a good question. The idea of a four-man booth on paper was a really good idea on paper, but it's just too much traffic. It, it's too hard for guys not to be talking over each other, uh, to keep a train of thought going necessarily because everybody's trying to get their, their points in. And it's not a criticism of the talent, especially at that point, because every one of those people should have been in a booth. But putting four people in a booth together – Again, great idea on paper. Functionally, though, from an execution perspective, very difficult to manage without it just becoming a, a, a car wreck. It's like a really busy intersection. There's so much going on. There's going to be a wreck eventually. And it was just too hard to manage, but it was a great idea on paper. We got another uh, caller here. Let's take a listen. Hello, Mr. Bischoff. This is the Mediocre Warrior. Proud slapping out of the AFS community. And I have my question about the Clash of the Champions. Um, in Milwaukee, the commercials heavily advertise Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair as being part of the show, yet neither one appeared. Do you remember, do you happen to remember what was going on, why neither one of them were at the show? Thank you. That's a great question that I wish I had a great answer for. Um, it, I would imagine it would have been more of at least potentially an injury situation with Rick. Um, but I could be dead wrong about that. That would be my guess because we wouldn't have typically advertised names that big uh, without well in advance having buy-in from, from, from everybody involved. So it, it would have had to been something that was uh, out of our control, either an injury or potentially a travel issue. But who knows with Rick, it could have been, you know, look, there was a point in time when Rick and I, uh, we were not firing on the same cylinders. So I, I have to go back and look into that, man. I wish I did. I had a better answer for you than that. Uh, but I don't, maybe Conrad does Conrad. Do you have any insight into that? I don't know right off the top of my head while they weren't there. I just assumed it was a, uh, a contract thing where, you know, they didn't have it in their dates or what have you. Yeah. It wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been the case with Hulk. Um, but it, it could have been an issue. And, I, and again, I could be wrong, man. I, I, it's hard to, for me to remember, you know, three years ago, more or less. I can't believe that we've been doing this show for four years for crying out loud. So clearly I'm not going to be able to pull a, a recall like that out of my bag of tricks from 1997. But uh, I'll, I'll look it up and guess what? 
Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have the answer over at adfreeshows.com before long. Top rope DDT. And there it is. Steiners get the win. Um, Scott Steiner here as big as a house. Do you remember him ever coming to you and say he was re- saying he was ready for a singles run or, or was Rick trying to do something as a single, or is that all WCW's idea when it actually happens? No, that was WCW, you know, Scott, Scott, Scott was a team player, you know, at this point in time. And he, he didn't really come to me or to anybody else with too many ideas about what he wanted to do. He really had more of the mindset as, you know, tell me what you want me to do and let me do it better than anybody else could. That was more how I'd categorize Scott Steiner at this point. So the idea of splitting that up, that was definitely, you know, more me than, than Scott. Now, and the reason for that is I think people had just, you know, we'd seen the Steiners together for so long. Yeah. Um, that was one part of it. The other part of it was we didn't have the depth because I didn't want the depth of tag teams. I took a lot of heat for that, you know, and, and to this day probably still do in some circles. But it was a math issue, man. It was just math. You know, you want to build a big tag team division? Well, unless you're going to go out and sign 60 guys, 40 guys minimum for a tag team division, what do you end up with? You end up seeing the same teams wrestling each other over and over and over and over again. And it's it, it became more of a, math issue, financial issue, uh, than it was anything else. And between the financial aspect of it and the fact that we'd been seeing the Steiners together for a long, 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 long time, I thought that it would be better for both of them to split them up, not just Scott, but Rick as well. Spent a lot of time talking about what's cool and not cool today on the show. Uh, here comes some cool, man. The outsiders are coming out with six. Of course, uh, this is our main event. Scott Hall is going to be taking on Lex Luger. Uh, there is going to be a timing issue in the show where I think they go to the finish early and hit a brawl early and then have to go after it again. There is something kind of fun that happens during the match though. Tony Schiavone wishes a happy birthday to quote longtime fan and WCW supporter, Brian Hildebrand. So he wishes him happy birthday. Uh, of course in real life, that's WWE referee or WCW referee, Mark Curtis. But I like those little Easter eggs you can find in a show where the guys give you an inside baseball reference. And if you get it, you get it. Yeah. It's always fun. Always fun. I don't know if you know this or not, but Tony Schiavone and I had fun a couple of weeks ago with him accidentally mispronouncing the word confidence on what happened when, and he did it almost like in a, I don't know, assholey and radio announcer way. He goes confidence. And so we had fun with that. And I begged him, please say that on dynamite next week. And he said, Oh, just remind me. So during the show this past Wednesday, I sent a text that just said confidence. And he said, I'm not in the next segment, but the next one. And so sure enough, as uh, Sean Spears is coming out, he sure has a lot of confidence. He hit it. And the idea that you're <laughs> a little able bit of a hairy, a little bit of a hairy carry kind of tone to it. It's a, a little bit. Yeah. It's just fun that I'm able to do adult speaking spell through the television. It's kind of fun. Yeah, you're kind of a remote control director. <laughs> you're, 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 you're Tony Schiavone's Vince McMahon. Yeah, I, you, I'm, I'm a lot nicer you, you in his ear. Direct the audio from the comfort of your home. That's awesome. As a reminder, this show uh, got a 3.5, which means there's 2,486,000 homes, or as Eric said, about 5 million people. Um, 
the last clash had flair versus Hogan, of course, right after hog wild in 1996, and we're down a full point, uh, from a 6.2 share to a 5.3 share. But again, there's no flair and Hogan overall, though, the readers of the observer gave it a 64.1% thumbs up. Uh, Meltzer said this match itself just didn't work. He says, not a good match. It was funny because these two are pushed like crazy and both are really over, but the match itself didn't go anywhere close to the crowd reaction that dragon and Malenko got earlier and wound up in a six way brawl with the Steiner saving Luger hall and Nash versus the Steiners not selling for each other. Didn't bode well for Saturday. There was a time cue problem as they went to the match finish early, thus started the brawl early stretched it out too much and ended it early. They had to restart the brawl again because there was that much time left star and a quarter. You've seen this happen a few times. Whose responsibility is the back timing of a show? If you will. Well, Craig Leathers certainly as the director was involved. Jody Hamilton had a lot to do with it, at least initially in, in the timing of the shows. Um, the agents involved would have definitely had some input, but at the end of the day, it's up to the talent. You know, Craig Leathers is in the truck. He's talking to the referee. The referee is talking to the talent. And when you get to the point where the talent goes into business for themselves or for whatever reason, you know, didn't hear correctly, misunderstood, whatever, getting caught up in the moment, or in some cases, just deciding what they wanted to do because they're either not feeling the audience, which I think in this case, I would agree with Dave. Look at the crowd. If you're watching along with us, the crowd is there watching, but eh, not so much. Yeah. And if you're talent and you're in that ring, especially if you've been promoted heavily and you're, you're some of the top acts in the show, you know that, you feel that, and you're going to dig and you're going to do what you have to do in the body of the match to try to get that reaction. Sometimes... That involves screwing up the timing because you're doing things that hadn't been planned on or you're doing them too early or you're not doing them at all, whatever the case may be. Uh, So in in terms of who's responsible for, initially, you're going to start with Jody Hamilton. It's going to go through the agents. It's certainly going to be the sign-off comes to Craig Leathers because ultimately he's the guy directing the show. He's the guy that has to make sure that we're hitting our commercial breaks on time. This is a live show. In some cases, you don't have a lot of uh, uh, latitude in the timing of your spot. So a lot of people involved, but ultimately, ultimately, it's probably up to the talent to hit their marks. We've got uh, another uh, call here that we want to play. Let's uh, take a listen. This is from adfreeshows.com. Hello, Eric. It's Brad Stanton, top guy here. I was just curious that if you thought that the Clash of the Champions concept was better than the go-home shows that are that you see today um, to uh, get people excited for the pay-per-view. Have a good one. Thank you. Interesting question. You know, we are largely trying to sell sold out here. Do you think a traditional Nitro go-home is better than this Clash of the Champions, or does this serve its purpose? I, I would have to say Nitro because it was so hot, because it was appointment television. It was the show to watch in, in professional wrestling. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to choose nitro as a promotional platform. That's people because people have become accustomed. We had necessarily trained the audience that that was the place to go for what's coming up next or that 
it just had that, that much power. And Clash of the Champions was a one-off. You know, it, it happened, what, what was it, once a quarter or twice a year, whatever it was, I don't remember, it changed. But now I would say Nitro was the platform to set up what's important and, and get everybody's interest. So because of the NFL, uh, sold out, which is the pay-per-view the, the weekend following this clash is on a Saturday. Of course, historically WCW pay-per-views are on a Sunday, but NWO sold out here in 1997 is on Saturday, January 25th. And what we're watching is, uh, on a Tuesday and what we'll be doing next week is watching the very next Monday nitro. And this is the one where famously you fire Randy Anderson. What a huh. memorable nitro. We'll be watching that one next week here on 83 weeks, but there's so much good stuff happening in January 97. You know, we had the whole, uh, DDP angle sold out 97, this clash of the champions and you fired Randy Anderson. That's all in a 30 day calendar period. I'm glad we got to celebrate all those big moments here on 83 weeks. Yeah, it was fun. To this day, I still go back. You know, somebody will send me the the firing of Randy Anderson. I'll see it in my social media feed a couple times a year. And I'll go back and I'll look at it. And it was, oh, you talk about getting heat. And I think we've covered it before. But, I mean, the, the ramifications of that, you know, came down from the very top of Turner Broadcasting. Because so many people thought it was real. So many people believed it that uh, it got a lot of heat and it ended up on the wrong desk. And uh, as they say, shit rolls downhill and it ended up on mine. I had the answer for it, but, but that's how believable it was. But a lot of that had to do with Randy. You know, he, he did a great job performing. His kids did for crying out loud. Tell your daddy he's still fired. Oh my gosh. What a great line. <laughs> it was funny. I didn't even really, th- I didn't have that promo planned in my head. I mean, not the verbiage. I knew what I was going to do. But it wasn't until I saw his kids come out and the looks in their eyes. I thought, man, what a perfect, perfect way to, to, to get heat. But it was, it, was more, uh, it was more improv than not. What do you think of uh, the chemistry that Lex Luger and Scott Hall had? You know, we know that Scott Hall is capable of great matches. We've seen Luger have some good matches but he was never necessarily known as the best in ring performer, but together, did you think they had it? Did you prefer them in in a tag match or was it just a miss with those two guys? I think in this particular case, it was a miss with those two guys, you know, and I think Scott was doing his best to work from a chemistry perspective as best he could with Lex, you know, he's not going to go out there and have, the same match with, with Lex Luger as he could have, you know, with a Ric Flair, for example. Uh, Lex was great at certain things, um, but I think Scott was doing his best to tell a great story without necessarily the benefit of, you know, uh, who do I want to, a, a Bret Hart kind of guy or a, Bre- or a Ric Flair type of, you know, opponent. He was going out there to have the best match he could with, with Lex within the context of the story and the setup we were trying to execute. I don't think it was a lack of effort on either part. Sometimes you just have great chemistry and sometimes you don't. And I think in this particular case, especially the chemistry was a little bit off. Obviously the biggest moment in my opinion, in Luger's career uh, was when he beat Hogan on nitro, the 100th nitro. Would you agree with that? That was his biggest moment. And 
No doubt. You know, you go back and look at the, the career of Lex Luger, and I think that was the apex of Lex's career. I think Lex might agree with that as well. Lex had found himself, man. He, the story worked. The, the timing was right. Lex's confidence was where it needed to be. And any, I want to say confidence. I don't think Lex Luger ever lacked confidence, but I think his level of passion for what he was doing was probably at a fever pitch then. Lex was having a blast. And oftentimes, man, no matter what you do in, for a job, I don't care if you're an engineer or an architect or you're working in a factory. Um, if you find joy in what you do and you're really having fun doing it, you're going to perform at a much, much higher level. And I think, you know, throughout Lex's career, probably in the beginning, especially, I don't think he had a, necessarily a great passion for the industry or passion for what he was doing. He was decent at what he did and he was making a lot of money doing it. It was a job, but I think, you know, because of everything that Lex had been through in WWF and the Lex express and all that other kind of stuff. And even, you know, Lex's experience in WCW before going to the WWF, I think by the time, you know, we saw Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan, Lex found a passion for the industry that he previously didn't really have. Did you hear my dog whimpering in the back? She's, she's dreaming. Hey, Nikki, wake up. <laughs> she's, I don't know what she's dreaming, but she's having a hell of a time. Oh, you got the crowd into it now. If you're watching alone, they kind of sit on their hands for a great deal of it. But here comes now this coming to life as we get into the finish or what I assume is the finish. So the referee has not yet disqualified Scott Hall because all of the offense to the outsiders here has been on Luger's side, Luger forearms, Luger clotheslines, all that. Nobody has done any damage. Uh, to Luger as of yet, as far as six. Yeah, but there. technically, Conrad, is that is that a prerequisite for disqualification? Like other people can interfere as long as they don't hurt anybody. Now there it is. Should have been. No, that should have been a disqualification. No doubt about it. It is now, and uh, we're going to get a little bit of three on one action, and I think the Steiners are going to come out to even us up. Overall, though, what do you think of this effort? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Thumbs in the middle. I think it advanced the story to a, to, to a certain degree, but I think in terms of the pacing of the match, I think it could have been about two minutes shorter. Um, although I, that mean, I meant the overall show, the overall show, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs oh, down. Oh, the overall show for what it was. I would for clash of the champions. I'd give it a thumbs up. Uh, I, I don't do the thumbs up, thumbs down through things too much, but I probably think, uh, I'd give it a seven and a half, not quite an eight. Uh, especially because of the, the strength of the beginning of the show. Uh, and again, we're advancing story toward the end uh, more than anything else, but I'd, I'd say seven and a half glorified nitro at this point though. I, and really this is this whole show at this point is probably a function of just making TBS happy. Is it not? Um, I didn't have too much trouble making TBS happy at the time. Uh, th TBS was pretty thrilled. I think TBS probably felt like uh, you know, redheaded stepchild, you know, because all the good stuff was really on TNT. So there was a little bit of that going on corporately, but uh, got a great rating, you know, still delivered you know, close to 5 million viewers, which not much of anything else at TBS other than sports, I guess, baseball, perhaps. Even that probably didn't draw as big of an audience as Nitro was drawing or Clash Drew. But, you know, they were pretty happy to have this product. I want to mention, uh, the next pay-per-view, as we said, is sold out. 
This is the go home show for it. This is pre thunder. So we're still growing, but nitro's in the rearview mirror. The biggest one we ever had from Chicago, the brawls getting restarted here on clash of the champions. And it's the outsiders and the Steiners and what a big time pay-per-view that was sold out. And we're going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary on the exact 25th anniversary. So as you're listening to this on Monday, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, we're going to be doing a sold out watch along with Eric Bischoff for adfreeshows.com. So you won't just get to watch and hear Eric, watch it. You'll get to ask him questions, interact with him, give your opinion, uh, sort of fantasy book. The thing it's going to be a big time over at adfreeshows.com tomorrow night. Is it not Eric? It is indeed. But you know, we talked about this match not being what, what, you know, according to Melzer, you know, flat, whatever, not getting a lot of crowd reaction. And that was, that was fair and accurate, but look at it now. And it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's how you leave them. Yes. It's the way they feel when it's over. That is sometimes the most important thing. And at that point, in terms of advancing story, everybody in that arena was standing up and and reacting. So uh, it may not have been what anybody wanted it to be for the first 70% of the match. But the only thing they remember is how it ended. Well, and we're going to remember how this one ended. It's with uh, you and I talking about how much we love WCW in 1997. So excited that we got to, uh, revisit this clash of the champions. This is the next to the last ever clash of the champions. We'll be back next week talking about the very next nitro, but if you want to keep this progression going, uh, check us out over at adfreeshows.com where last week we had an interactive zoom with the nature boy himself. You actually got to watch the 1992 Royal rumble along with him and ask him any questions or it was a great time. Hope you'll check it out. You get all of our shows early and ad free and it's adfreeshows.com. He is at E Bischoff. I am a, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we'll see you guys next week, right here on 83 weeks. And we hope to see you this weekend in St. Louis. Um, any other teases or surprises or questions you've got up your sleeve for Jeff, you can share with us now. Well, I'm not going to tip them off here, but, uh, you know, I talked about this a little bit, uh, on, on a promo that I did last week. I've known Jeff for a long time. You know, I think Jeff and I probably first crossed paths back in 1988 or 89, Super Bowl III. Um, that was the beginning. But we've crossed paths professionally a number of times over the decades. But we've never really had – I've never sat down with Jeff and had just a one-on-one conversation. Hey, you remember when – why did you do this? What were you thinking here? What was that like? Never had those kinds of conversations with Jeff. You know, we've more often than not have been, you know, ships passing in the night, so to speak, uh, as opposed to a real sit down type of conversation. And I do have some questions for Jeff, not only about his time, you know, growing up, obviously, um, the son of Jerry Jarrett, you know, and, and all the people that have passed through when Jeff was a young kid growing up uh, and his experiences and how it impressed him and how maybe it shaped his career. I have a lot of questions about things like that, but yeah, you know, there's this Vince Russo, Hulk Hogan bash at the beach thing that Jeff was involved in. And, you know, I've always had certain suspicions, but I've never been able to confirm them or have them denied. So uh, perhaps St. Louis is going to be the place. Burning questions after all these years coming to light. St. Hey, Louis. And we'll talk about Dixie Carter. We'll talk about Tony Khan. Hey, we'll talk about Nick Khan. We're going to talk about the most recent experience. They both had, they both had with WWE plus Jeff Jarrett's new promotion that he's definitely not starting. 
and a whole <laughs> lot more. Uh, it's happening this weekend, this Saturday. Now I know the Royal Rumble is normally on Sunday this week. It's on Saturday and, uh, we're just going to be 2.4 miles from the arena. Come check us out, get your tickets and get your VIP tickets. So you can meet these guys, get a picture, get an autograph, all that jazz and the best seats in the house. You don't want to miss it. We're not recording it. So, uh, I am hopeful that I can No evidence. We do not allow evidence at these shows. You do not get to walk out with evidence that can come back to haunt us. You have to be there. So I'm going to get Eric a six pack of beer and he's going to tell you some stories. You can't hear here. Check it out. It's a uh, Eric and live uh, Eric and Jeff live.com. That's Eric and Jeff live.com. And we'll see you back next week talking all things nitro and somebody's getting fired long before Vince McMahon was yelling. You're fired. Somebody else did it on Monday night and we'll talk about something else. He doesn't get credit for next week, right here on 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.